Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. I I just got to say that one more time. Fayette County belongs to the Lord. God help us, we're not just people of wishful thinking. We are people who declare the promises and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. This word was was, uh, really drawn out that weekend as we walked Fayette County and prayed. And here's what it says. In my vision, Ezekiel says, in a vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and he led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured out again 1,750 feet and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching Son of Man? I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to the church today, have you been watching? Are there watchmen, watch women, watch people on the walls? Are you knowing what God is up to? Are we sensing? Do we perceive? Do we know? Or are we just living according to the current events and the days of our time? But oh, that we would watch and see what the Lord is up to. That we would know what He's doing. He says, says, have you not seen? Have you been watching? Then He led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. Come on, how many know that's a miracle? Don't over, this is the word of God, the promise of God. And when it looks like you can't see it, don't for a moment think God's not working. Don't for a moment think God's not doing what he said he would do. The salty waters will become pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea. Y'all, fish don't swim in the Dead Sea. They float because they're dead. But he said fish will swim in the Dead Sea. They will flourish Life will flourish wherever this water flows. I'm declaring that over this house again, over our nation, over the church of Jesus Christ, that this water will cause life and life will flourish everywhere the water goes. Come on, if you agree with that today, would you just bless the Lord? If you agree that the water will flow and it will bring life in Jesus' name. Father, I pray today that you would give us living water. God, you've already given it to us. Lord, I pray like the woman at the well, Father, that we can drink and never thirst again. 
But Father, you also said that from within us would flow springs of living water. God, I thank you that you brought us to life. Now God, send us into life. God, send us in life. Lord, you brought us to life. Lord, maybe there's some here today and they've not yet been brought to life. They're still the old, but God, I pray today that they would hear the gospel, that the truth of Jesus would come in and would cause the old man to be gone, that the old would be gone and the new would come. And Father, we'd come alive in Christ. And Father, as we're alive, that we would go forth sent in life to bring life, to declare life, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ in the earth. Father, give us ears to hear today, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Thank you for being a part of of, uh, church with us today. And if you're joining online, thanks again for, for being with us. We will be receiving communion towards the end of our service today and, and um, just believing for God to bring healing to our brokenness and to the world that is in need of restoration. This is, this is a, a desperate moment in time, and I, I don't want to build this up to be something that would seem different, but uh, I, I want us to just acknowledge that we are without a doubt in a volatile situation in our world. You know, when you come to a fork in the road, it can go one way or another. Things can move one direction or another. And, and we are in a place, of course, where, where things have, have become difficult as a nation in the middle of a pandemic that has rattled our society with fear that we've been overcome, or may, I shouldn't say overcome, but just presented a dose of fear in our society and and we experienced the pandemic of, of that moment with the loss of jobs, loss of life, loss of social contact, uh, loss of, of just the norm. And in that moment as we're trying and with hope of rebounding, we literally saw this as, as we had plans to go yellow. And then we're going to go green. And before we could even catch our breath came another wave and the waters crashed on, on our land again, and, and this time hatred as it fills the streets and literally some of our major streets dealing with riots and the outburst of, of just an anger. And, and here we were presented the fear of the coronavirus and now the hatred of, of, of just uh, of, of, of brutality and, and injustice and things that, that hit and collide in our world. And this is a moment that without a doubt, the enemy comes to seek to kill still and to destroy. But Christ says that he came that we might have life, that this is a moment that the earth is groaning. This is a time that it can go one way or another. The earth is groaning for the redemption and salvation. The Bible says this in Romans chapter eight, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. That there's a day that the people of God will really be revealed. We are to be identified as people of God who walk with healing, with hope, with restoration. That we are the stream and in the stream of living water. That everywhere the water goes, if we're carried by the current of God, that every place we go, that God would use us to be people of life, giving forth that life might come out. That we would bring hope that we're connected to the one who is the Prince of Peace. So guess what the ones connected to the Prince of Peace do? Their feet are prepared with the gospel of peace and every place their feet go, that they take peace with them. That we become a solution, an answer. 
that the church becomes the organism and the place of hope to be, to be unleashed, to move forward. I want you to know I believe in, polit- in, in, in politics as a necessary role, but the politicians are not going to lead the way. I believe that there are necessary people to have a voice, but the voice that needs to be heard is the body of Christ who does not just speak what, the, what, we, what our opinion is or what we say, what we've been taught, but that we would reveal with fresh revelation who Jesus Christ is in our day and in our time. When Jesus walked the earth, they were looking for a Messiah that did not look like him. Tell the truth. They were looking for a Messiah that did not look like him. How about one who comes with with more victor? You know, the one with law and order who can set things right, who can set the course. They want the person to sit in the, the right seat, the right place. And Jesus said, I didn't come to sit on a seat in this earth because I already have a seat in heaven. What I came to do was to reveal my glory on this earth because I want to see heaven come to earth. And that seat of power and authority is not in a white house, not in a different house, not in a courthouse. It is in the body of Christ. It is in your house and my house, people who know Jesus Christ. I'm appalled as well with what is happening in the streets and knowing that they're calling for the National Guard, not the military. I realize there's some say, well, this is military. No, it's different. It's National Guard. Well, what's the same thing? It's all the, all the same thing. However you want to argue it, my point is this, that we're seeing the call, that there's a response, and we're seeing things that are heightened. There's a need for stuff to be addressed. I don't like what's happening on the streets. But you know what you and I have to acknowledge? The only way it got to the streets is because we let it in our house. The only thing that happens in the streets, and how foolish of us to hurry up and stop in the streets when we ignore what's going on in our very own home. The only way it got to the streets is because things we let behind closed doors, things that we allowed in our attitudes, our arrogance, some of our ignorance, We allow some of those things and it spills out. Why? Because how, of course, would we not know how to have racial reconciliation? Can I say something strong into the heart right now? Y'all still love me. Because our kids have watched parents who don't know how to marriage marriage reconciliation. We've raised generations that don't know how to sit and talk and communicate and deal with problems effectively. We have a generation that says, if I don't agree with you, I cut ties with you and I move on. If I don't like you, anything about you, I'll set my boundaries and I'll put everything. We've raised a generation and taught a generation how to ignore. Hear what you want to hear. Say the story you want. Spin it the way it works for you and just keep moving on as long as everything keeps going back in its place. I pray nothing goes back the way it was when coronavirus came. I pray nothing goes back the way it was. I pray there's something in us that says, oh God, awaken us to the reality, to the truth of what is in our day. This is not a plea of desperation of woe is us. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to say, church, we have the power of the living God on the inside of us. 
not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, that we are able to be salt and light in a world that's broken, in a place that is desperate. We can be and bring the answer, not because we are, but because of Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory, that he who is in us being revealed in the world. It's time when everyone is looking for an answer. This is the church's moment, and I believe not just is, but the church is moving. The church of Jesus Christ is being identified in this day as the sons and daughters of the living God, and the earth is seeing the glory of the Lord. I believe the earth will see the glory of the Lord in our day and in our moment, that this is the opportunity for us to step up and to lead and show what it looks like, to bring hope, to have conversations, to speak truth, and to speak the truth in love, that our world is groaning. It's groaning for that place of hope and restoration. This has been a journey for me now that has been four years. Four years of a moment that it was during the July episode in Dallas of 2016. Jody and I had gone that year to Dallas for our city tour. We have our, our spring trip that we take, and it's just something we've done. And, and uh, by the way, it's important for every couple to have time to get away let me just make a plug right now. If you're not going out on, on week or monthly, weekly if you can, but monthly dates, mom and dad, you got to figure out how to do it. If you're not spending time in those moments that are the significance of investing, you invest in stuff that's important. Oh, maybe you don't. I don't know. Uh, you invest in stuff that's important. Jody and I had gone to Dallas that year and we had uh, visited the ballpark, which is on my hobby and uh, uh, my uh, uh, goal to hit every ballpark in the major league, and that's been a little difficult this year right now, uh, hitting one of those. But um, we had gone to Dallas, spent some time there, visited the city, got to uh, connect with some uh, pastors who were in that area, and, and uh, had a great time looking at the city, seeing some sights, and, and a wonderful time. It was a week later, or less than a week, we come back home, and one of the same spots that were pointed out as, a, as an area in downtown Dallas had now become the place where five police officers had been killed. That there was a black man who had wanted to kill white people. And I remember it, be, it was personal, yes, because we know the story, but something about being on that same place. Something struck me this time that I, I stood on that very place. I was in that same area. And that week, I began to say, there's something that I don't know, and the church needs to be a healing, because if we don't, we're missing the moment to show the hope of Jesus Christ. It was that moment I made a conversation. I invited some pastors in our community, some of our black pastors, and I sat down with them, and I, four years ago, had a conversation with them to find out, what am I missing? Can I tell you, we can be so good at thinking we know everything until we stop to find out what we don't really know. What we don't really know. It's because sometimes we like to paint our own picture of what is and how the answer is because if we can say the right answer, we can put everything back in its place and put it right where it belongs. What if it wasn't where it belonged in the first place? What if it was out of order in the first place? What if something wasn't right to begin with? What if something needed to be adjusted and addressed? And I had the conversation, and from there began relationship, even 
to the point that they become brothers of mine. And it's one thing, can I tell you the honest truth? I used to be on the side where we just learned how to get along. You know how most marriages do it, just learn how to get along. There's only a few marriages that really strive to a place of learning how to grow and flourish. Why? Because relationships are hard. It's easier to ignore, find your corner, separate, keep everything to yourself, put everything in your own place. That's a lot easier. Raise your hand if you agree that's a lot easier to do in life. Just a couple honest people in the room. Because it's hard getting real. It's hard addressing what might need to be adjusted. But in that moment, of course, we have, we have relationship and, and, and there's, there's toleration and there's, there's cordial agreement. But something happened in that moment that they became my brothers and I became theirs. That there's this growth of learning how to speak to life issues. Now, I realize right now we're heightened because this is a recurring issue that is happening in our country. It's layered across many things, and what it has to do with, it has to do with the sin of pride and arrogance. It has to do with the sin of, of, of wanting to be proven and justified. Think about this for a moment. We'd settle for justification when God says, I want you to have justice. We settle for justification of of our own ideas and ways, but that we would not just go through, and this was a, this was a, a journey and has been a journey for me because I want to see, see the kingdom of God revealed on the earth. And God is not going to do that through one church, through one people, through one, one organization. One, he's going to do it through the body of Christ. When we are the body of Christ, that when we become in relationship to one another, that we become a place of honoring one another, that we would allow, and the difference here is God help us to not build a dam when God called us to have a river. I didn't even give you the title of my message this morning, and it's simply this, quit damming the river. That there's meant to be a river that flows, that's life-giving, and unfortunately we can sometimes get content with building a, a dam 1880 or 1889 in 70 miles northeast of here in Johnstown, there was a country club that gathered at the top of the South Fork Dam. And the dam was there as a place to create an area for them to come and hang out with their guests, the country club of, of enjoying the wildlife and everything for them. The only problem is that below was a town that at any moment they lived under the threat that if that dam breaks, what could have been a life-giving river became a destructive dam. And I wonder if we celebrate too many times around a dam, and God said, no, I called you to be a river. I wonder if we celebrate around the things that we've created and stuff that, that we identify with, and and yet the river, when it flows, it goes into different places. In fact, the river even goes to difficult places. I wonder here in this, this point, here's what Amos chapter 5 verse 23 says. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your hearts. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Oh God, 
that we would see the river of life-giving flow in our midst. I want to give you just quickly a couple things of consideration. Is that all right? Y'all still here this morning? Trust me, this is one of those where you're like, well, that wasn't anything special. You're going to have to chew on it. Because I can't, not that I can't get as real as I want to, but I don't think we're all ready to go where some of us need to go. I don't think some of us are ready to have the conversations we need to have. Because if I started having some of the conversations that some of us need to have, I'd offend you. And instead of you allowing God to speak to your heart and hear what you need to hear, you'd just be offended. And that's what we do for generations where we just make up our own story and tell our own scenario. Someone said, that's already controversial. Yeah, that's how we politically call the uncomfortable things that we need to deal with and we don't want to, so we call it controversial because as long as we don't address controversial things, then we're all okay until something stirs the waters. And then we wonder, why did this get in our streets? Because you didn't address it in your house. How'd this get into our places? Because there's stuff we've had to have conversations about and things we've had to address and things we've had to be honest and open about. Here's number one. If we're going to have a healing river, the river that building a, a, seeing a river and not a dam, number one is we've got to acknowledge the point of origin. Where does this river begin? This river does not begin with you and it does not begin with me. It begins with Jesus Christ. One of the problems that we have is that sometimes when we, in evangelism, we have a superiority mentality that can sometimes be attached when we do evangelism. What I mean by evangelism is sharing Jesus with lost people. And the danger of what we've adapted, not, not what we've intentionally done, but is that we look at people as what they need from us. They're lost and they're broken. That's true. But we see them as lost and broken. We see them in their condition. And they're lost and broken, so then we see they're lost and broken, so they need what I have to help them be fixed and to be found. Here's the problem with that. We start with the very origin that is wrong. We see them as lost and broken people. They are not lost and broken people before they are first people made in the image of God. People made in the image of God. That drug addict is made in the image of God. The rioter who is on the streets crying out in, in, in injustice and wickedness. He or she is made in the image of God. You see, the problem, we elevate ourselves that to fix someone, we see them as lost and broken. And we identify them in their condition. But their condition is not what should draw us. We should not be moved by their need. We should be moved by the love of God that he has for them. The love of God compels me. You see, I can be addressed to a need. That's okay. But the problem is, if I'm moved by a need, then I'm only moved as long as I'm sensitive to that need. Are you following me? But when I move, what did, what did Paul, he says, I'm compelled by the love of God. What makes me do this? The love of God that is in me. And when I know who I am in Christ, I see in you the value and the hope. And now I'm broken by what's around you, not because I'm bothered or uncomfortable by your need, but because I know there's a God who loves you. And if you only knew how much he loved you, the love of God compels me. Why do I want to minister to you? Because I want you to know how much you're loved by God. But what we do, we take people out of their brokenness and put them in places and look what I did for you. 
Then we teach dependency and then argue about entitlement. Why these people are entitled, we try to help. Yeah, of course, because you became the savior and forgot to point them to the real one. You became the one who saw the need and tried to fix a need, but the need is not just giving. Yes, give the food. Yes, give the stuff. Yes, give that. But the greatest thing is to mine all of that out so that you and I will know who we are in Jesus Christ. People around us are not first broken and needy. They are first made in the image of God. The origin of the river is that it comes from Christ. It doesn't begin with us. It's his love for us. God so loved us that while we were still sinners, he gave himself on the cross for us. Aren't you thankful that his love was so great that while we were still sinners, he said, I love you. Here's the origin. Notice the river flows. And as the river flows, it comes from the door, the, the threshold of the temple. Now, the threshold of the temple, the significance there is that it's at an elevated height. I had the privilege this fall of going to Israel and seeing for myself. I hope uh, it was my first time. I hope it's not my last. And I got to see the mount uh, of the, the, the temple, uh, where the location is. Of course, there is a, uh, uh, that has been torn down, as was prophesied and is. But Christ is going to set up his reign on that place. And it's, it's elevated. And it also, the way it flows is that it's elevated, but the water says that it moved through the door. Why is that significant? Because Christ is the door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's elevated. You know what we need to do? We have to address things that matter, and we should be relevant, have the conversations we need to have, but every conversation needs to be elevated to our hope is in Jesus Christ. If the river doesn't begin with Jesus, then we can be social activists, but we'll never get to healing. We can be uh, 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 generous and benevolent people, but we'll never get to healing if it does not begin with Jesus. It doesn't mean don't be activating or don't be an activist or speaking for injustice. doesn't mean don't be benevolent. It means do those things, but make sure it comes from the origin that it comes from Jesus, that the purpose is to elevate and to lift up Jesus. It's a point of origin. Number two, the, the river as well has to recognize a point of destination. There's a destination where it's moving. I love that it says here that the river came from the threshold of the temple and flowed out. The temple, remember, is surrounded by gates. Notice which gate it went through, the eastern gate. The significance of the eastern gate is that is the very gate that Jesus is going to go through when he sets up his reign after he appears on the Mount of Olives and comes and reigns for all eternity. That Jesus, of course, coming through that gate, but here's what's significant, that it moved through the eastern gate, the same place that Jesus is going to come, and notice it's preparing a way for the Lord to come, but the river is flowing, and as soon as it leaves the eastern gate, and I got to see this from Mount Olive, uh, the Mount of Olives, as you stand there and you look, there is the eastern gate, and it's sealed off. It's sealed off because the Muslims are trying to keep Jesus from coming back. How many know brick and mortar isn't going to work? They've also added more graves in front because they know the Jewish law that a man who is a priest who is holy can't walk among corpse. But how many know when Jesus walks, dead things come to life? which you can try to stop him, but he's going to move. Here's the same thing. Nothing can stop him from going in, so why should anything stop the church from going out? Nothing's gonna stop him from setting up his reign, so what can stop? Notice when the water flows out of the eastern gate, and I got to see this. This is where David said, the valley of the shadow of death. 
Because as soon as you get out of the eastern gate is the valley, and right there are all the tombs and all the graves that have been established. And then when the water would flow, it then goes to the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley is the place where they would have sacrificed to idols, their children, the God of Molech, some evil things that, that Israel would have done in, the, in their days. Notice the river is flowing over the valley of death, the shadow of death, through the Kidron Valley, and then towards the Dead Sea, the valley of the Dead Sea. Notice every place the river goes are things of devastation, things of, of difficulty, but where the water goes, everything comes to life. Ultimately moving to this point that Jesus, his reign would be set up, there's a destination that he has for us. This destination is he calls us to be light in dark places. How can you be light if you just stay in the light? The light is meant to go to the dark. How can you be salt in a world if we're not moving to a place where the salt needs to be revealed? And there's a point of destination that God has given us these opportunities. When we see trouble, it doesn't mean that God's not moving on the earth. It means that this is the moment for the church to partner with the Holy Spirit and allow God to do significant, significant things in our day. That we would step into the place, this open space, and be a voice, allow the river to flow. The worship team's coming. Here's the last thing. If you're taking notes, if not, just pretend. That's cool. <laughs> the point of origin, the point of destination, but then the river has to have a point of transition. A point of transition. And here's the transition that it's moving from one level to another. Notice that when he saw the river, it started at his feet or his ankles, and then he went out a little further. It went to his knees. Then it went to his waist. And then it was to where he couldn't even walk. He could only swim. What do you do when you swim? You move according to the current. And the best way to swim is where the current's taking you. That's the most effective way. You fight against the current, you'll tire yourself out. But this is the stream of living water. How many know it's good to move according to the current of the living water? And as they went forth, the Bible says that every place they went, dead things came to life. Here is where Dams are built, are built by debris and built by things that are, that are solids that hinder the flow. The Dead Sea is made up of a high uh, amount of salt, which is why nothing can grow there. And it's the same area where in Genesis 19, Lot, of course, is, is in Sodom and Gomorrah, which I don't know if I need to tell you this and and it's okay if I do, but Sodom and Gomorrah was not a good place for Christians to be hanging out, for God's people to be hanging out. Sodom and Gomorrah represented the evil and the filth of the world. And here is Lot, and instead of Lot being a light in the darkness, Lot, of course, and his family is overtaken because now he has family members. This is in Genesis 19. The angel of the Lord comes and says, Hey, Lot, the Lord has sent me to redeem you, to save you, to take you out of the city. We're about to destroy the city. Bring your families. But it says his son-in-laws wouldn't come. He had two daughters. He had a wife and two daughters, but his son-in-laws wouldn't come. Kind of a dangerous thing, I think, right there that Lot's daughters married into families that were not moving in the right direction. The son-in-laws don't come because they're like, ah, this is no big deal. This doesn't matter. This isn't of any value. The Bible says that Lot, of course, 
was taken by the angel. And as he was taken by the angel, his wife and his two daughters, along the way, the wife turns around and looks back. And when she looks back, the Bible said she turned into a pillar of salt. That tells me that at a moment that they could have been a remnant, she, they were a remnant, but she could have been a part of a remnant to do something of difference and bring healing. She stopped, turned around, looked back, and became part of the problem. She was turned into a pillar of salt. Well, what causes things to not grow in the sea, in the Dead Sea? It's the salt content. She became a very part of the thing that was hindering. I gotta ask myself, am I being the dam or the river? Am I coming to a place, and here's what it can easily be, that at moments that we, that we look back, and, and, and looking back, I thank God for what he's done in the past, but greater things are yet to come in Jesus' name. It's controversial. I don't want to be controversial. Trust me, I, I'm not, I don't want to be controversial. But I hear the Lord saying, hear my voice. Hear my voice and know what, which way to walk. Sometimes I hear the right, I hear the left. Can I tell you Jesus is not all right and he's not all left? There's some Jesus in the right, but it's not all Jesus in the right. There's some Jesus in the left, but it's not all Jesus in the left. And when I go to vote, I'm going to make a conscious decision that is honoring and unto God. But I'm going to cast a ballot based off the best decision and the resources led by the Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, I'm not electing my Savior. I'm acknowledging the one through who we pray God would use to do what is needed in our land. But the river's not going to flow out of a ballot box. The river's going to flow out of the prayer closet. The river's going to flow when we pray unto God, when we ask God. Why? Because the, 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 the opposition of fear with coronavirus and hatred of these racial riots and things that are happening, the injustice... It's a perfect storm right now for the church. And it's the church's moment to reflect the glory of God in a broken place. God help us if we try to make it political. Shame on us. Shame on us. If we act like there's a politician out there that can fix it, can I tell you, I've not seen one yet. I hear them speak at memorials. I hear them make statements. I hear, them, and all they do is say about what the other didn't do and how they didn't do it right. And if you and I, the church, get caught up in the middle and just try to embrace, well, which one do we like better? Quit liking any of them. Just vote in conscience and decision unto God and let Jesus be the course that we need to see the glory of God revealed in the earth. God help us to not have a dam where there needs to be a river. Here's what the river does. The river is allowing to flow through me into places where I am. We're going to receive communion. But I wonder today, what resources has God given you? You got resources. Can I challenge you to use our resources 
to be an influence and to be a help to other people? I'm not, I'm not moving for us to start an organization or a program. Heaven help us. We don't need another program. We don't need another organization. We've already got it. It's the body of Christ. It's when we, the body of Christ, allow the healing waters and the springs of Jesus, of life-giving flow to come out of us. We can influence a world that needs hope. You know how we do that? We do that by not being a dam unto ourselves, but a river into the broken places. It means speaking up when we need to speak up. It means being quiet when we need to be quiet. Might I just say to us, Let's quit hiding behind cliches that justify why we feel the way we feel or do the things we do. Jesus, give us your heart to minister to the brokenness that's around us. I was at um, one of our fast food joints a couple months ago. Nate, our media guy, we had gone to lunch and uh, while we were at lunch, uh, Nate got in before me. He got to the counter and Nate ordered my drink because Nate knows what I drink. So Nate orders for me. He hands me my cup for my soda. I say, thank you. I order a sandwich. We hang out. We're talking a little bit, waiting for the food. As soon as the food comes, I go and I get my drink. I fill it up. I walk out. Nate's gathering his stuff. He's got the food. He's getting his drink, and he walks out after me. Well, I get out to the car because I'm driving, and I'm waiting for Nate to get in the car, and Nate's not coming. And I thought, man, the poor kid didn't know I left. He thinks I'm in there somewhere, and he's probably playing hide-and-go-seek in the, in the, the restaurant trying to find where I am. And I, I'm sitting there longer thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe he went to the bathroom. I don't know. Maybe we'll just wait on him. And soon I'm like, okay, he probably thinks I left. He's in there waiting for me. So I go in, and just as I'm about to get out of the car, Nate gets to the car, and he's smiling. And I say to him, I said, do you think I, did, did you, uh, didn't you know I walked out? He said, no. He said, I was walking behind you. He said, but as I was leaving, I heard the lady behind the counter say to the other people around her, I can't believe that guy came in with his own cup and got a drink. What a cheapskate. He didn't even pay for his soda. It's only a dollar. Nate said, I heard this. He said, so I stopped and I said, hey, are you talking about the guy that just walked out in front of me? She said, she heard him or he heard her. He didn't, she didn't expect that. She said, yeah. And Nate said, well, I don't know if you remember, but I bought two drinks and I gave him one. So he ordered his food. He didn't come in with a cup. I bought him the cup. And all of a sudden he tells the story and they, I said to him, I said, did you think I was still in there? He said, no. He said, I heard what they said about you. And he said, I wasn't going to let them talk that way about you. Do you know what I did? I said, this friend's got my back. This buddy's looking out for me. This guy cares about me. I wonder if we could shut our mouths enough and listen and know when to come to people's defense instead of adding more salt to the wound. I wonder if we could learn a little bit of how to allow healing to flow rather than, well, they talk that way about Jason. It's not me, that's his deal. Doesn't affect my world. 
Not where I live. It's not where I am. Doesn't hit close to home with me. But no, even though he doesn't live in my house, even though it doesn't affect him the same way, he said, I'm not going to let him talk that way about you. I wonder if we can allow the Spirit of God to flow through us. That we would add not salt to the wound, but that we would have, add healing to the brokenness. How many say our world needs healing? And Lord, that we would be agents of that healing. If you would, grab the communion at this moment. As you came in, you'll notice the top portion is the, the bread. And I want to pray today, and maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you walking in relationship with Jesus Christ? You say, well, how do I know? You have a point of origin, you have a point of destination, and you have a point of transition. If you're not growing, and let me add this, the reason it was ankles, knees, waist, and where they had to swim, is because the deeper you get in the water, the less you see you and the more you see the water. John said this, I must decrease that he might increase. Have you allowed him to increase lately? Are we allowing him to increase? Oh God, wash me and flood me that the water in me and through me might move into the world of brokenness around me. God, use us as agents of healing. Would you pray with me today with every head bowed and every eye closed? Father, thank you for the bread that was broken your body. Thank you for the cup that was poured out. It's life-giving. Lord, I pray that as we receive this bread and this cup, that we would do so in a worthy manner, in a way that would honor you. So, Father, I pray right now that the fear and hatred that is in our world would not be in your church, would not be in our homes. Father, I pray that the waters of the living waters from the temple would cleanse us and purify us, make us new. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you say, Jason, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand. Today you say, I need to, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, just right where you are, raise your hand today. As we pray, say, I need a new beginning, a fresh start. If you're home, watching online, this moment is just simply acknowledging our need for Jesus. This prayer, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of sins. Help me to live in the purpose that you have for me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, would you bless, bless this bread, this cup? We honor you. Would you join us in singing this, just this chorus before we receive today? Let's acknowledge what Christ has done for us. Sing that again, Jesus paid it all.